Let's worship the Lord this morning. Oh God, we recognize your presence is here. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us, God. Lord, I just ask in the mighty name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, move in this place. Lord, you have freedom to move in this place. I pray our hearts would be ready to receive from your word. God, I thank you for your faithfulness to us, God. Even when we're faithless, you remain faithful. So, Lord, I just pray that you would open our hearts this morning to receive your word. You have something for everyone, something for everyone here. You have a message, an encouragement, an exhortation. Lord, your presence is here. We sense your presence. We know you are with us, Holy Spirit. And now plant the seed of the word deep in our hearts. Lord, water it, let it grow, and let it be fruitful. We give you these next few moments, Lord. May we be attentive and hungry and expecting a word from you. You've got something to say. Anytime we we speak from your word, there's power. So, Lord, I pray that that power would be released today in the spirit, in the mighty name of Jesus. Break strongholds, Lord. Break off any darkness and despair in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray you'd bring light into darkness. You'd bring encouragement into discouragement, Lord. God, we believe you to speak to us today. We are hungry. We long for what you have to say. We believe, God, that you are here. and You love us, Lord, with an everlasting love. Your loving kindness, Lord, extends for generations, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray we'd expect something from you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Can we thank the worship team for leading us in worship today? So grateful. And God is here in this place. I'm continuing this brief series on call on the name of the Lord. If we do nothing else in 2022, may we call on the name of the Lord like we never have before. I think things are happening in our world and God is trying to get our attention. But what does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? Well, to call on the name of the Lord means to declare his name, to summon his name, to invite his name, to read his name, to be called his name, to invoke his name and to be named by his name. It is that practice of worship, proclamation, and prayer in the name of the Lord. And there is an appointed time to call on the name of the Lord, and I believe that time is now, to really commit ourselves to calling on the name of the Lord on a consistent basis. And so here's another scripture that speaks of calling on the name of the Lord. Look with me at Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Verse 11, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. And richly blesses all who call on on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're going to stop right there. We'll continue on next week with the remaining part of that scripture. 
But we are to call on the name of the Lord for salvation. There are two conditions in this scripture that point out the necessity for salvation. And let's explore those requirements one by one. The first prerequisite for salvation is this. Number one, when we call on the name of the Lord, we must confess. What does that mean? First of all, we make a confession with our mouths. It is so critical and determinative what we say. Now, we realize COVID has had a profound effect on everyone in pretty much the entire world. I believe there are challenges we've never faced before, and it's made it difficult for everyone. We're all stressed in different and unique ways, some of which we don't even realize. But the more and more people I talk to and, and how this experience has it affected them, whether it's their jobs, their families, their relationships, their own personal health, even life and death, we are stressed. And everyone in the world has been affected in some way. And it has produced an unparalleled level of stress and tension and uncertainty and fear. More than ever, we need to be mindful of how we respond to these stressors going on right now and in life. I believe the words that come out of our mouths can influence and affect and dictate the quality and direction of our lives. I believe that's true. The things we say, remember, we, we are saved by our confession. That has to be verbal, that has to be audible. We are saved by our confession of faith. And so we need to be mindful of what we're saying. How many know we can actually talk our way into a panic attack? We can do it. We can say things, we can point out all the negative, all the fears, all the things that could go wrong. And before long we wonder, why am I so panicked and stressed out and filled with anxiety? We can worry our way into a deep depression. And so it's so important that we understand what we speak affects our life. In the book, The Anxiety Reset, Dr. Gregory Jantz says this about what we say to ourselves. Self-talk is the way we talk to ourselves, and it sets the tones for how we will engage with the world and the types of interactions we'll come to expect with others. I'll be the first to admit that positive thoughts are powerful, and I've written at length about healthy self-talk in this book and elsewhere. In fact, studies continue to document the power of our thoughts and our beliefs to shape our experiences and choices. And so not only does God challenge what we say, but studies have been done that that our, what comes out of our mouth can affect our health, it can affect our outlook, it can even begin to affect us physically. What if God allowed every negative thing we say to actually come to pass? I mean, think about it through the day. We wouldn't live through the day, right? You know, just think about all the things we say absentmindedly, just coming out of our mouths, and if God says, you know what, today, everything you say in a negative way, I'm going to let happen. Oh, my word, aren't you glad God doesn't do that every day? Years ago, 
I remember saying these words often. I will probably end up working in the oil fields of North Dakota. <laughs> I kid you not, ask Jolene as my witness. There are many times I said, well, you know, if all else fails, that's where I'll end up. And guess what? That's where I ended up. And there were many times when I was driving across the frozen tundra of North Dakota thinking, you idiot, why did you say this? Why didn't you say that I'll end up on the beaches of Hawaii? I realize, in fact, I've examined a lot of the challenging circumstances in my life. And I've thought about my mindset and my attitude. And I realize in my life, maybe it's different with you, but in my life, many of the negative things I've professed and confessed have come to pass. And yet many of the things, the promises of God that I have claimed have also come to pass as well. And so I do think there's truth there. And it's not just the power of positive words. I'm, I know that can be an extreme. I'm not going to that extreme. Please don't send me articles and and website links. I, I get you. Just stay with me. There, there is, I believe, some power in what we say, but it's not about, just about the power of positive words. It's about the power of God's word. It's not just positive words. It's the power of what God has already said. Do you realize before God did anything grand, he spoke? He spoke the world. By the word of his mouth, the universe was created. Is that amazing? God just said it and it was. And just think of the wonder of creation. God said those things and they became. There's power when God speaks. And what's, been, what's so amazing is we have a record of what God has said. We have God's words right in the Bible. We have the words of God. And there is power in our speech, especially when we speak and profess the word of God. Now, I want to break this down for us. The Greek word for confess comes from the root word homo logos. Now, this is a compound word, a little Greek lesson here. I know, I, you, you feel like you're back in school. I've already lost you. Just glazed over. Oh, compound word. We're talking, you know... But it's a compound word, which means two separate words mashed together to form a new word. And so homo means same. And logos means word or something that is spoken or said. Therefore, mash those two words together, which is in this passage right here. The word confess right here in our text means to speak the same, to agree to be of one mind. And so when we confess, we're, we're speaking the same thing that God has said. When we confess, we are agreeing with what God has said. And when we confess, we are to have the mind of the Lord. In the Life Application New Testament commentary, it says this. Anyone can say he or she believes something. But God knows each person's heart. In this confession, it is not enough to merely utter the words. They must be declared, professed, proclaimed from the heart, expressing our full conviction. And so it's not like these are magic words that people can 
especially people that don't know God, they can't use these words to make things happen. This is not just repeating words empty. It's not like a chant or something we don't even think about. No, when we confess, it involves a deep involvement. It is not just uttering words. It is declaring. It is professing. It is proclaiming from the heart with full conviction. And so it's not just repeating words, but it is believing the words you say are from God. And this is where the power lies. The source of these words are not us. The source of these words are God. And so when we speak the same words that God has spoken, there's power. When we agree with whatever God has declared, something happens. And when we have the mind of the Lord, there is power. It is being of one mind with God. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I want you to know as believers in Jesus Christ, we are out to have the mind of Christ. Now you may say, hey, wait a minute. Didn't God say his thoughts are not our thoughts and his Ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are so much higher. Yes, he did say that. Here it is. Let's look at it. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The danger is that we begin to lean on our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. And so it's not just saying the words, it's, it's believing. It's not just your thoughts, but it's the mind of God. Now God's thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. I'm telling you what, I got, I'm ready to give up trying to figure things out on my own. I can't make sense of certain things that have happened in my life. I don't understand. Now, I know God understands. His thoughts are so much higher. But how many of you know, even though his thoughts are so much higher, he still wants us to grow and know his words. Now, we will never know in this life all there is to know. It won't happen. God is omniscient. He alone is all-knowing. But God wants us to learn his ways. So many times in the Bible it says, Lord, teach me your ways. Show me your ways. And so even though we'll never have the thoughts of God in its entirety, we can learn more and more about God. Look at this in Psalms 119.66. Let this be our prayer. Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Do you see the power in what the psalmist has spoken? God, you are good, and everything you do is good. This is a profession of faith right there. I want you to know when you're down and you're discouraged, you profess those words, God is good, and all you do is good. It may feel like everything is bad in your life, but God is still good. 
And not only that, he works the bad things out for good. God's always doing that. He's always working the bad in our life for something good, if we'll let him. And we have a part to play. We have, the part we have is confession. We have to speak it out. Too often we're not confessing the words of God. In fact, let's, this is maybe a little heavy, sometimes we are quoting the devil. How about that? Pastor's gone to meddling now. Satan is a liar, but too often we repeat his lies. I want you to know when you say that you're a failure, you're speaking for the devil. Because you're a child of God. You are not a failure. You are his son. You are his daughter. And it grieves his heart when we, when we speak against ourselves or other people. When we speak lies, when we repeat the devil's lies... And I'm telling you what, when I was studying this passage, the Lord convicted me, challenged me, and I had a moment with God, and I had to make some repentance. God, how often have I spoke for the devil? How often have I repeated his lies over my life that it'll never work out, that answer will never come, that I will always fail? And I, I had a moment with God, and I hope you have a moment with God, and I hope you hear me today. If nothing else, if you don't miss this, please don't miss this today. Don't speak for the devil. Don't speak curses over people's lives or your own life. Don't repeat his lies. And we do, and we don't even realize it. Satan is a liar. Unwittingly, sometimes we believe his lies. And we even repeat those lies. Speaking to the Pharisees, Jesus said these words in John 8, 44. Jesus didn't mince words. He's, he's going to nail the Pharisees. Man, he called them snakes and vipers. Jesus can get away with that. I can't. And this is what Jesus said to the Pharisees. You know the Pharisees. They were that legalistic religious group that always tormented Jesus, questioned his authority. And so Jesus says this, you belong to your father, the devil. The great opening. That's, that's a good way to start a friendship. And you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. My daughter and son-in-law are in the country where the Lord has called them, and they spent three years studying Arabic, and yet the country they're in right now speaks a mixture of Arabic and French. And, and there's this mixture of the language, and the, the native language is a mixture of Arabic and French. And so sometimes there's French words, sometimes there's Arabic words. And you know, Arabic has its own letters. They're different letters. And so they're, they're trying just to get, you know, some lunch. And, it's, and they're having to use Google Translate <laughs> to make it happen. Because they're now not, 
they're not a, they don't know the native language, but they're learning it. They're going to have to learn French. They're going to have to learn other words as well. It's, it's kind of like in, in Louisiana, Creole kind of mixture of English and, and French. This is a mixture of Arabic and French. But Satan's native language is lying. That's his native language. He's a liar and the father of lies. Wow. Satan is the one who says we are hopeless. He says we're worthless. He says we're a failure. He's the one who says we're unforgiven when God has said we are forgiven. Satan says we will never make it. He is the one who whispers in our ear to fear. Satan says these things and sometimes we repeat what he says. We can either confess the word of God or the lies of Satan. Whichever one we confess will have a profound impact on our lives. I challenge all of us, seriously, examine yourself. Whose words have you been confessing? I think we all need to really search our heart on this. This is challenged me so much and I, I want to bring it to you as your pastor that I struggle in this area in my own life. I want to be real with you. I'm, I'm human just like you. I battle these things just like you. But I want to challenge us to ask ourselves and examine ourselves and listen to what we say. Are we speaking death? Are we speaking life? Are we speaking for the devil? Are we speaking for the Lord? You know, the president always has a spokesperson who speaks on his behalf. I've always wondered when you, you put out the spokesman there, it's like, does he really or she really know all that stuff? I mean, do they talk about it? You know, supposedly she's, she is supposed to speak for the president. Have we inadvertently become the devil's spokesman? We need to intentionally and consistently confess God's words. I've had to ask myself, have I been speaking the lies of the evil one instead of proclaiming the truth of God's word? We can profess and proclaim a lie or we can profess the truth. And I believe we need to intentionally and consistently confess the word of God. And so we need to say truths like this. We are more than conquerors. How's that? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, that's a good one. God will never leave me nor forsake me. By his stripes I am healed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. For with God nothing is impossible. No weapon formed against me will prosper. God has not given me a spirit of fear. If God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? All of that is in the Bible. It's God's word. It's already been spoken by God, and we need to repeat it. We need to be God's spokesman over our life and over the lives of, our, of other people. You need to speak this over your children and your grandchildren. You need to preach this over the prodigals. We're not going to confess the lies of the evil one that they're never going to make it. We're going to speak the truth of God's word. And the prodigals are coming home. 
All of these confessions are in the Bible. What would our life be like if we spoke these words every day? I'm more than a conqueror. I believe we need to. I think if we speak the word of God, we're going to see the power of God in our lives. This is our confession. There is power in confessing the word of God. However, before we can claim the confession of these scriptures, we must first make another confession. And that confession is, Jesus is Lord. I want you to know, this is the most basic, yet most profound profession there is. It is so critical. We see it in scripture. How many know the Bible says in Philippians that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so before we can make all these other professions, you have to make that first one. You have to be saved. You have to have your relationship right with the Lord. And we must first make this confession, Jesus is Lord. Look with me at Thomas Constable's notes. In the early church, the phrase Jesus is Lord was one of the most common and simple expressions by which believers confessed their faith in Christ. It is a confession parallel and very similar to Israel's basic confession of faith in Yahweh. Yahweh, our God, is one Lord. That's in Deuteronomy 6.4. It's called the Shema. It's the Jewish confession. The Lord is one Lord. And what's interesting, if you see that Yahweh, our God, is one Lord, you see a picture of the Trinity right there. Three different names for God right there. In the Roman world, faithful citizens were increasingly being expected to acknowledge that Caesar was Lord or divine. And so the original recipients of this epistle especially had to face the issue of who is really divine, Jesus or Caesar. And see, the, per the persecution that came against Christians is everybody in the Roman Empire once a year had to say, Caesar is Lord. And of course, believers in Jesus Christ could not make that profession. And so that's why many of them were persecuted and fed to the lions because they would not say Caesar is Lord. And I want you to challenge us today. May we have the same courage that they did. Even if there's lions waiting for us, we will not profess anyone as Lord except Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Like Roman times, it seems like we're, something is similar happening. There's more and more pressure to confess someone other than Jesus as our Lord and Master and Savior. There is one Lord, and it certainly isn't our government. It isn't our society or our world. There is only one Lord, and his name is Jesus. And so may we boldly make that profession, Jesus is Lord. There is no other. This is the truth that counters all Satan's lies. No matter what the devil says to you, come back with this confession, Jesus is Lord.
That counters all his lies. And that confession brings salvation to our souls. We cannot be saved. We cannot go to heaven until we make that confession. Jesus is Lord. He is Savior. He is Master. He is the boss of my life. Look at Life Application New Testament Commentary. It says, when we confess that Jesus is Lord, we are acknowledging his rank or supreme place. We are pledging our obedience and worship. We are placing our life under his protection for safekeeping. We are pledging ourselves and our resources to his control for direction and service. So when you say Jesus is Lord, it, it, it involves all of that. It means we're acknowledging that he is the highest authority. We are pledging our obedience and our worship. We're placing our life in his protection. When you say those three simple words, Jesus is Lord, this is the confession you are making. This is how you call on the name of the Lord. And when we confess those three words from our heart, we will be saved. And when we call on the name of the Lord, we must first confess. The second condition for salvation is this. Number two, when we call on the name of the Lord, we must believe. Salvation requires two determining factors, confession and belief. And that belief comes from the heart. And so you may ask, well, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Is it confession and then belief, or is it belief and then confession? Well, I believe it's both. Sometimes we have to confess it before we believe it. How many times you got, sometimes you got to talk yourself into the truth. And so sometimes we, we have to confess it, even if we're struggling with belief, we got to keep speaking the truth, because as we speak the truth, it will help our faith. Other times we must believe it before we can profess it. The very act of repeating the words of God can stir faith in our hearts. When you start speaking those things, Jesus is Lord, we are more than conquerors, then you will begin, when you're confessing those things, faith is going to start growing in your heart. It is not necessarily linear. I believe it's more circular. The, the more we confess, the more we believe, the more we believe, the more we confess. And when we call on the name of the Lord, we confess with our mouths. And what do we confess? The reality that Jesus is Lord. And when we call on the name of the Lord, we must also believe in our hearts. In the NIV study Bible, it says, in biblical terms, the heart is not merely the seat of, of the emotions and affections, but also of the intellect and the will. Christians believe not only that Jesus lived, but that he still lives. Salvation involves inward belief with your heart as well as outward confession with your mouth. And so those are the two things that bring salvation to our life. When we believe with our heart and we confess with our mouths, and what do we believe? That God raised Jesus from the dead. This is a fundamental truth of Christianity. Trust me, watch out for this. Because the false beliefs and, and cults get this wrong. They all have an issue with the resurrection of Jesus. Of course, the devil has an issue with that. 
But it is fundamental to Christianity that we believe Jesus not only died, that he physically rose from the dead three days later. This is the truth. of, And we will not compromise this belief. There are those who would say, oh, Jesus didn't physically rise from the dead. He spiritually rose from the dead. That is heresy. The scriptures are so clear how important it is that we believe in the resurrection. Look at this in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 13. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. Do you see how important the belief in the resurrection is? It is fundamental to our faith. If there is no resurrection, then we don't have a faith. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, we are still in our sins. But the truth is, all throughout Scripture, Jesus rose from the dead. You see, that's what enables us to receive eternal life. We, we've got to confess, but we've got to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's, it's critical. And when we believe, it says we become justified or righteous. When we believe, things change. What does it mean, justified or righteous? Perhaps the easiest way to define it is through the New Living Translation, Romans 10.10. 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. That's what justification means. That's what it means to be righteous, that you are right with God. When you believe, how many know God makes you right with him. The wall of separation is torn down. We have access to the Holy of Holies. We are made right with God. When we believe in our heart, God makes us righteous. That is what justification and righteousness means. When we believe and when we confess, we are made right with God. Would you bow your heads with me today? I feel this message so strongly in my own life. I hope the Lord is speaking to your heart as well. Can we take a few moments and examine our hearts and especially examine our mouths? What have we been saying? We know that a child can be so affected by the words of the parents Many, many of us have been affected that way. Things that our parents said or adults said or 
authority figures in our life that spoke over us. I remember somebody telling me that I was never going to make it. And I felt like the devil was speaking himself. I'm never going to make it. And it, took, it was a battle for me to reject those words. Because it kept playing over in my mind, you're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. You're never going to make it. I'm just being honest with you how that affected me. And it, it was spoken by a boss in my life. And, it, and I had, I was so affected by that, it, I, had to, I had to reject that lie. I had to reject that lie of the evil one and I had to stop playing that lie over. Because if we play a lie over enough times, how many know people start believing? Look at our world, it's gone crazy. So many lies out there that are replayed and replayed and replayed until it's embraced as the truth, but it's still a lie. And so I, let's, let's take just a few moments. And as Kathy just continues to play, we got time. We're not in a hurry. Good thing about one service is we can hang out a little while. But I, I think we need to just have an altar time right where we're sitting. And I want you to ask the Lord, God, have I been speaking for the devil? Have I spoke the lies of Satan over my life or other, someone else's life? Let's just take a few moments and let the Holy Spirit work on our hearts as we ask that question. And if we, we find that we have, then ask the Lord's forgiveness. And ask the Lord to make you aware when you're speaking for the devil instead of speaking for the Lord. So let's just take a few moments. Hallelujah. head bowed and every eye closed maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ you've never made that first confession Jesus is Lord I want to give you a chance to do that and it requires a confession and it requires you to believe so if you would like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today I just invite you to pray this prayer after me I'm going to ask all those that are already believers, you've already made that confession, Jesus is Lord in your own life. Would you join with this prayer? For those that may be doing it for the first time or for those that may, may be returning to the Lord. So if you want to accept Christ, you want to give God control of your life, because it requires total surrender to His will. But He offers forgiveness, He offers heaven, He offers eternal life. What we give up cannot compare to what God has given. So if you're ready, you're ready to give your life to the Lord, repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. 
I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your Holy Spirit. I receive eternal life. And I make this confession. Jesus is Lord. Let's all say it again. Jesus is Lord. Oh, there's power in that confession over your life. Let's say it again. Jesus is Lord. Would you stand with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Our worship service begins at 1030 every Sunday. You can join us in person or online. We broadcast live on both Facebook and YouTube. We would love for you to join us and be our guest this Sunday. Our address is 4901 California Avenue, Bakersfield, California. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.